Hello again, my fellow birders. Welcome to episode 121 of the Arizona Bird Call, an ongoing series of podcasts about Arizona birds. I'm longtime Arizona birder Mike Amy. In this week's episode, a report on progress to restore and preserve the Great Salt Lake in Utah, a critical stop on the migratory routes of countless bird species in both spring and fall. Great Salt Lake has been drying up. Coalitions of environmentalists, hydrologists, birding organizations, both formal and informal, are stepping up to reverse that trend. We'll have a report. We'll also have a statement by the Arizona Water Coalition applauding Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs's decision to cancel water leases held by the Fundamente Corporation, a Saudi-based company that has been extracting Arizona groundwater for commercial agriculture without limit and for free. Our Arizona Bird of the Week is the Hooded Oriole, birding hotspot, Picture Canyon near Flagstaff, a friend of wildlife, western field ornithologists, and we'll have our calendar of bird-friendly events coming up in days ahead here in Arizona. Here's an item from Western Water News. This is Audubon's Western Water News. Title is Progress of the Great Salt Lake Watershed Enhancement Trust. It's posted to the October 2023 edition of Western Water News. The Great Salt Lake Watershed Enhancement Trust was established in January 2023 to implement a water trust for the benefit of the Great Salt Lake, its wetlands, and hydrology, given the ongoing environmental, economic, and cultural risks of a declining lake. Co-managed by the National Audubon Society and the Nature Conservancy in Utah, the primary purpose of the trust is to enhance water quantity and water quality for the lake and its wetlands. As of last month, that would be September 2023, the trust, working with the state of Utah's Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands and Wildlife Resources, have facilitated water transactions of approximately 64,000 acre-feet on a diversion basis for the Great Salt Lake. The bulk of this water was donated or partially donated, including what is believed to be the largest ever permanent water donation of water to Great Salt Lake from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Trust is actively investigating additional water transactions in coordination with FFSL and DWR. At least 25%, that is $10 million of the state grant money, will be used to, quote, protect and restore wetlands and habitats in the Great Salt Lake's surrounding ecosystem to benefit the hydrology of the Great Salt Lake, end quote. GSLWET announced a funding opportunity for such projects in July of 2023. While the application period is now closed, if you have an idea or concept for a wetland protection or restoration project, but is not at a stage that would support an application for funding at this time, GSLWET will continue to seek high-level indications of interest for future wetland protection and or restoration projects that benefit the hydrology of Great Salt Lake. 
Such information will help inform understanding of future funding needs. A technical review committee comprising Great Salt Lake experts have volunteered to score the applications against the criteria, and the Trust Advisory Council will assist the Trust in making final award decisions. As of September 30, 2023, here's how the appropriation stands. Initial balance was $40 million. Net interest Disbursements, including financial management, operations, and water transactions so far, $1,297,083. And other funds reserved, pending water transactions, potential wetland subgrants, and endowment amount to $14,501,953. So there's an available balance there of $25,576,650. And here are some activities planned for 2024. The Trust has been developing a strategic plan to guide its priorities and measurable objectives and is coordinating this effort with the Trust Advisory Council and the Great Salt Lake Commissioner. With its Trust Advisory Council and a growing staff, the Great Salt Lake Watershed Enhancement Trust is eager to continue its work, expand its reach through the further collaboration and partnership, secure additional voluntary water donations and transactions, and contribute to the health and longevity of the lake and its wetlands in conjunction with the other work being done across the state to secure Great Salt Lake's future. The Trust will submit two formal reports to the legislature and state agencies January 31st of 2024 and again June 30th of 2024. And so again, that's a report, the progress of the Great Salt Lake Watershed Enhancement Trust up to the minute, basically. And that's posted to Audubon's Western Water News, October 2023. I'm going to read a statement here that was issued on October the 3rd by the Water for Arizona Coalition. And before I do that, I want to let you know who they are. Water for Arizona Coalition is a community of Arizonans who support innovative practices and smart policies to ensure a reliable water supply to meet the state's needs. They go on to say, we strive to secure groundwater for rural communities Adapt Colorado River management to climate change and protect groundwater in urban Arizona. Organizational support is provided by solutions-oriented groups like American Rivers, Business for Water Stewardship, Environmental Defense Fund, the National Audubon Society, and Western Resource Advocates, which collectively have over 60,000 Arizona members, as well as hundreds of hunters, anglers, and outdoor recreation enthusiasts across the state. Well, here's that statement, and it has to do with Governor of Arizona Katie Hobbs' termination of Fondamonte's state land lease. Again, dated October 3rd, 2023, quote, Yesterday, Governor Hobbs made a bold decision to cancel and not renew Fondamonte's state land leases. Fondamonte is a Saudi-owned corporation 
that set up shop in rural Arizona to grow water-intensive crops for export, taking advantage of open access and unlimited groundwater pumping at the expense of Arizona communities. This move by Governor Hobbs demonstrates strong leadership and signals an important shift. The time has come to protect water supplies for all Arizona communities, including those in rural Arizona. Doing nothing is no longer an option. The Water for Arizona Coalition commends Governor Hobbs' willingness to take action on rural water issues, despite the state legislature dropping the ball on addressing this critical issue for years. This bold water leadership is what rural communities and all of Arizona need right now. Governor Hobbs recognizes that we have a responsibility to protect water supplies for all Arizonans, no matter where they live. In about 80% of the state, local groundwater is often our only water supply, yet it remains unprotected. Our rural communities are vulnerable to out-of-state interests like Fondamante, who can move in and take as much finite water as they want for free. The path to a secure water future for the state starts with managing our groundwater in rural Arizona, whether through legislative or executive action. Time has come to manage the water we have, groundwater, end quote. Again, that's a statement from the Water for Arizona Coalition in response to Governor Hobbs' termination of Fondamonte's state land lease, dated October 3rd, 2023. of the episode this go-round is the hooded oriole, one that I have seen fairly frequently uh, from my patio here in the northern reaches of the Phoenix metro. And the audio you just heard is from Macaulay Library of Animal Sounds, Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and the description is from Wikipedia, the free online encyclopedia. The hooded oriole is a medium-sized New World oriole, The male of this species ranges in color from a bright orange to a paler yellow with a black back, face, tail, and bib with a wing containing two white bars. The female is more of an olive color with some yellow accents. Adults have a curved bill which is completely black and white wing bars. The adult male has a deep yellowish-orange head with black on the face and throat. They're black on the back, wings and tail, orange on the underparts. The adult female is olive green on the upper parts, yellowish on the breast and belly. Their calls consist of whistling and wheats, while their song is a mixture of both. Their breeding habitat is open areas with trees, especially palms, across the southwestern United States and northern Mexico. There are palm trees in some of the oases here in Arizona, and I've noticed this particular species, the hooded oriole, among the palms that are next to the palm pond at Hacienda Preserve. They're pretty predictable in season to be spotted there. The nest is a tightly woven pouch attached to the underside of a leaf or tree branch. 
Sometimes their nest is filled with the egg of a brown-headed cowbird, which is a parasite bird that lays its eggs in other birds' nests for that species to take care of. These birds migrate in flocks south to Mexico's southwestern coast. Their permanent residents in Baja California Sur and the Mexican East Coast and Belize. Some may overwinter near feeders. They can also be found in Southern California neighborhoods, but are rare in the winter. They forage in trees and shrubs, also feeding from flowers. It is a nectar robber because it pierces the base of the flower and does not assist in pollination. These birds mainly eat insects, nectar, and fruit, and will also visit hummingbird feeders and bird feeders for seeds. The hooded orioles' diet consists of insects, berries, and nectar. Hooded orioles are acrobatic feeders, often hanging upside down to get the nectar from flowers and to catch their prey. The species feeds on a variety of insects, but may especially favor caterpillars, beetles, wasps, and ants. Hooded orioles forage for food slowly, gathering insects from foliage in the trees and feeding on berries, along with sometimes oranges or other citrus. They also probe flowers for nectar and may take insects there as well. And that is our bird of the episode, the hooded oriole. A birding hotspot for this episode is Picture Canyon Natural and Cultural Preserve. And I feel a bit embarrassed because this is one of those great birding spots that I talk about almost every week because Northern Arizona Audubon Society has bird walks there and expert docents and bird walk leaders and I've never featured it as a birding hotspot in this podcast. Go figure. But we're going to today, and this description that I'm reading is from the city of Flagstaff at their flagstaff.az.gov site. And it reads this way, Picture Canyon Natural and Cultural Preserve is a beautiful canyon with great trails located within city limits at 3920 North El Paso Flagstaff Road, in addition to significant northern Sinagua petroglyphs and other cultural resources, an agreement with the nearby Wildcat Hill Wastewater Treatment Plant ensures a year-long water source, providing critical riparian habitat for wildlife and songbirds, as well as Flagstaff's only waterfall. City of Flagstaff acquired the 478-acre preserve from the Arizona State Land Department in 2012, with funding from the 2004 voter-approved open space bond and a growing smarter grant from Arizona State Parks. The acquisition of Picture Canyon provides a natural place for members of the Flagstaff community to learn about ecology, geology, and archaeology while participating in outdoor recreation. And if you go to that website, flagstaff.az.gov, and find this Picture Canyon Natural and Cultural Preserve Overview. You'll also find a brochure that has a trail map 
and Picture Canyon self-guided tour to learn more about the preserve's resources and trail system. And there are tons of images from Picture Canyon Natural and Cultural Preserve. And there's more information about the history of Picture Canyon. And here's some of it. This is a timeline posted to that website. 1970s, City of Flagstaff channelized portions of the Rio de Flag above and below the waterfall there. 1980s, Wildcat Hill Water Treatment Plant began operations and discharges effluent into Picture Canyon's channel. In the 1990s, water treatment technology at Wildcat Hill advanced to the point of producing B-plus rated reclaimed water. 1998, City of Flagstaff, Flagstaff Area Open Space and Greenways Plan recommended Picture Canyon as the first priority for retention for state lands within the entire plan area. 1999, Coconino Natural Resource Conservation District and USDA Natural Resource Conservation Services designated Picture Canyon as a special conservation area. 1990 to 2001, State Land Department undertook first full-scale effort to eradicate weeds within the San Francisco Weed Management Area, which includes Picture Canyon. 2001, Arizona Land Reform Initiative passed Arizona Legislature, setting aside Picture Canyon as an area for possible preservation. Vested agencies and stakeholders, including representatives from the U.S. Forest Service, Northern Arizona University, Flagstaff Area National Monuments, and City of Flagstaff form the Picture Canyon Working Group. And then it goes on to say what happened beyond that, and it was all very positive. In 2006, City of Flagstaff awarded $380,225 from Arizona Water Protection Fund and Fish and Wildlife Service Partners Program Grant to restore natural stream functions, reestablish native vegetation along Rio de Flag, and create a deep water wetland habitat for migratory fowl. More good news flowed from there. And let me just jump down to 2014. Arizona Watchable Wildlife Experience released audio guide for Picture Canyon, which is still available. 2014, City of Flagstaff revegetated El Paso gas pipeline easements through Picture Canyon in partnership with Kinder Morgan. 2016, City of Flagstaff Open Space Program received $74,446 in grant funding from Arizona State Parks Recreational Trail Program to fund improvement projects at the preserve, including additional trails, kiosks, trail signs, and interpretive signs. And that's our birding hotspot for this episode. Picture Canyon, Flagstaff. A friend of wildlife organization for this episode is the Western Field Ornithologists. And this is what they say they're all about at their website, which is westernfieldornithologists.org, all one word there. Western Field Ornithologists is an organization of amateur and professional field ornithologists that promotes the study of birds throughout western North America, including Hawaii, the northeastern Pacific Ocean, and western Mexico. 
The organization strives to increase knowledge, appreciation, and protection of birds and their habitat through annual meetings, field trips, and publications, primarily Western Birds, a quarterly peer-reviewed journal that focuses on field-oriented descriptive ornithology. Each year, WFO holds a multi-day conference with scientific papers, field trips, workshops, panels, a keynote address, the annual membership meeting, and other events. Location varies each year as Western field ornithologists attempt to span the region of coverage while also making its conference accessible to the bulk of its members. The 47th annual WFO conference will be announced according to the website. WFO has long published its flagship journal, Western Birds. It has also published the landmark book, Rare Birds of California, and has published four volumes in its monograph series, Studies of Western Birds, as well as a few other publications, and a particular emphasis is on student programs. Purpose of the WFO student programs to further the development of young field ornithologists from middle school through college to increase their knowledge, appreciation, and protection of birds and their habitats. The WFO newsletter, which is available just by subscription at the website, has the latest on student activities. Member benefits include hosting an annual five-day conference that includes scientific presentations, workshops, field trips, expert sound and visual identification panels, and social activities. The conference offers the opportunity for motivated students to meet those who earn their living and or volunteer in field ornithology, bird conservation, biology, and other distinguished fields. Each year, the committee puts together special programming for students and their parents, including field trips and a student reception and opportunity for parents to get together. Students also attend the scientific sessions, choose from a variety of workshops, test themselves during the acclaimed bird identification quiz, participate in the popular sound quiz, and enjoy the annual dinner and guest speaker. Western field ornithologists are... Friend of Wildlife for this episode. And now to wrap things up, some bird-friendly events coming up. Desert Rivers Audubon has a field trip scheduled Top of the World to Gilbert Water Ranch with Kathy Anderson on November 27th, and that's from 6.45 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., Kathy says, uh, we'll have our mini big day from the top of the world to the Gilbert Water Ranch with spots in between. This fast-paced field trip to a variety of habitats to see as many birds as we can before lunch. And that'll be about 1.30 in the afternoon. She says, we usually tally between 65 and 75 species and always have a few nice surprises. And in order to be part of that, you need to contact Kathy to let her know that you're interested at k-a-t-h-e dot c-o-o-t at cox dot net. And Desert Rivers Audubon has a family bird walk scheduled for Saturday, December the 2nd at the northeast corner of Chandler Heights and Lindsay Road. That's at the Veterans Oasis Park in Chandler, 8 a.m. until noon. This is held monthly on the first Saturday of the month, November through April. No charge. Have fun.
Maricope Audubon has the Lake Pleasant for Wintering Waterfowl Field Trip that Charles Babbitt leads. And that's from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., sponsored by the Maricopa Audubon Society. He says, we will spend most of the morning scanning the lake from various locations looking for water birds. These include ducks, many are diving ducks, grebes, loons, gulls. Bring a scope if you have one. That's December 7th, 2023, with Charles Babbitt. Be sure to register at the Maricopa Audubon Society website. Well, that's our podcast for this week. Thank you for downloading the Arizona Bird Call. I'm longtime Arizona birder Mike Amy. You can connect with me at ArizonaBirdCall at gmail.com. You can also add this podcast to your RSS feed. A new episode is available each Wednesday. Arizona Bird Call is free. There is no subscription fee. We pay for this on our own dime. If you'd like to support bird conservation and protection in Arizona, please contribute to your local bird club. And most importantly, participate in its activities. You'll meet other birders, build your own birding skills, and by your participation, encourage others to get involved as well. Thanks again, and happy birding, everyone.